1: and welcome to the 47th edition podcast of Women's Liberation Radio News for this Thursday, March 5th, 2020. I'm Sekhmet Shiawal, resident angry feminist and female separatist. This month's edition focuses on the Say Her Name movement. We'll hear an excerpt of an interview Thistle did with award-winning poet and activist Dominique Christina on the movement and the black woman's experience of misogynoiristic violence. The team at WLRN produces a monthly radio broadcast to break the sound barrier women are blocked by under the status quo rule of men. This blocking of women's discourse we see in all sectors of society, be they conservative, liberal, mainstream, progressive, or radical. The thread that runs through all of American politics, except for separatist feminism, is male dominance and entitlement in all spheres. To start off today's edition, here's Donna Vidalisova with women's news from around the globe for this Thursday, March 5th, 2020.
2: Sweden's Board of Health and Welfare has reported a 1,500% rise in gender dysphoria diagnoses among 13 to 17-year-old girls between 2008 and 2018. This number has, reportedly, shaken parts of the Swedish public who therefore started to push back against gender reassignment. According to the journalist Richard Orange, because of this backlash, a new Swedish law proposal that would reduce obstacles to teenagers' medical transitioning was shelved. Lawmakers are now waiting for the Swedish Board of Health and Welfare to reassess the evidence. According to the Observer, its report is due on 31st March. In the United States, three young women, Selena Soule, Alana Smith and Chelsea Mitchell, filed a federal lawsuit to protect their Title IX right to equal access to sports. As Mary-Kate Fane reported, they say they were denied equal access to sports by their school's 2013 transgender policy. According to Barbara Fay, Selena Sow failed to qualify in the 55-meter dash for the New England regional championships by two spots. Both spots went to biological males. These two males now hold 15 women's state championship titles that were once held by 10 different girls. As 4w.pop informs, according to the complaint, the girls have been denied a total of 85 opportunities to participate in higher level competition between 2017 and 2019. A change.org petition to shut down one of the world's leading websites featuring pornographic videos, Pornhub, was launched in February. According to Pornhub, in 2019 there were over 42 billion visits to its website. Also, Pornhub boasts that in 2019 the site saw a record amount of uploads with over 6.83 million new videos. Many of these could contain footage of children and women being raped, as Pornhub doesn't have a reliable verification system in place. In fact, as Jessica Masterson reports, quote, over the last few years, Pornhub has been involved in a number of cases of sex trafficking and child rape, end of quote. One of those cases featured a 14-year-old girl, Rose Kalemba, who found a video of her being raped on Pornhub months after the violent assault took place. However, Pornhub refused to remove the footage and only agreed after Rose threatened legal action. To this day, the petition to shut Pornhub down and hold its executives accountable has amassed nearly 300,000 signatures. You can add your voice to the petition by clicking on the link you'll find in the description. The Feminist Party of Spain has been expelled from the coalition they formed with the Spanish leftist party called United Left or is Kieta Unwida. The reason for expulsion was their criticism of a speech in parliament, read by an eight year old trans identified boy. In this speech, the boy claimed to have been a transsexual for four years. Members of the expelled Feminist Party argued that no child can be transgender and expressed the wish to investigate a case for possible child abuse. They also protested gender identity law that the Podemos party tried to legalize in 2018, arguing that it erases women and makes feminism obsolete. The expulsion of the feminist party was the result of a petition created by the Trans Platform Federation, signed by 2,000 people. According to Quarto Poder, the president of the Trans Platform Federation, Marc Cambrolé, has celebrated, quote, the hygienic cleaning exercise, end of quote, at the United Left Party and has asked that other parties, such as Podemos, do the same to expel transphobia from their ranks. A huge crowd gathered in Mexico City to protest the brutal murder of 25-year-old Ingrid Escamilla as well as the media's irresponsible reporting. The young woman was stabbed to death by a man she lived with, who then proceeded to skin her, according to the BBC. It was forensic workers who leaked pictures of her dead body to the press. The Mexican newspaper La Prensa then published these grisly images with a headline saying, quote, It was Cupid's fault, end of quote. During the protests, at least one vehicle belonging to the newspaper was set on fire and several protesters tried to enter the newspaper's offices. In another reaction to the reporting, thousands of people shared pictures of beautiful landscapes on social media using the hashtag Escamilla to drown out the grisly images and to honor her name several French feminist groups protested last week against Roman Polanski's 12 nominations for the César Award, which is the French equivalent of the Oscars. Women who gathered near Salpléer in Paris, where the ceremony took place, held posters and chanted, quote, Polanski violeur, cinema complice, end of quote, which translates as Polanski is a rapist, and the movie industry is his accomplice. Despite these and other protests against Polanski's nominations, last Friday the director received the César for Best Director. As Entertainment Weekly reported, at the announcement of Polanski's win, French actresses Adèle Haenel and Noémie Merlon, including director Céline Chamas, left the room in protest in 1978, Roman Polanski was convicted of statutory rape of a 13-year-old Samantha Geimer. Despite being sentenced to just 90 days in prison, he fled the United States to avoid imprisonment. Since then, four other women have come forward with rape accusations. Marianne Barnard, who was only 10 at the time of the alleged rape, Charlotte Lewis, Robin M and Renate Lang. The real victim count is probably much higher as Polanski himself admitted in his autobiography that he frequently has sex with 15 year olds. The Scottish Parliament passed a bill in the first vote that would provide free period products for everyone who needs them. The bill should make sanitary protection freely available not only in schools, but in other public-facing bodies such as community centres and youth clubs as well as in pharmacies. The bill was put forward by Labour's MSP Monica Lennon after it became known that about one in four women and girls at school, college or university in Scotland had struggled to access period products. It is troubling that the bill's text contains no mention of the words woman, female or girl, and that the makers of this law refer to what we've formerly known as women's toilets as all toilets other than those designated for use only by males. Despite this fact, the passing of the bill is set to help vulnerable women and girls who would otherwise struggle to access period products. That concludes WLRN's world news segment for Thursday, March 5th, 2020. I'm Dana Vitaloshova. Share your news stories and tips with us by emailing wlrnewscontact at gmail.com and letting us know what's going on.
3: last tune we had some request for it. Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest and everybody knows about Mississippi gone down Alabama's got me so upset Tennessee made me lose my rest Everybody knows about Mississippi. gone damn, can't you see it? I know you can feel it. It's all in the air. I can't stand the pressure much longer. Somebody say a prayer. Alabama's got me so upset and Governor Wallace has made me lose my rest. Everybody knows about Mississippi. God damn. children sitting in jail black cat crossed my path i think every day is gonna be my last lord have mercy on the land of mine we all gonna get it in due time i don't belong here i don't belong there i've even stopped believing in prayer Just about do. I've been there, so I know they keep on saying go slow. That's just the trouble. Do so. Washing the Boycotts. They try to say it's a communist plot. All I want is equality for my sister, my brother, my people, and me. You lied to me all these years. You told me to wash and clean my ears and talk real fine, just like a lady, and you'd stop calling me Sister Sadie. But my country is full of lies we are all gonna die and die like flies i don't trust nobody anymore they keep on saying go slow that's just the trouble desegregation mass participation
4: was nina simone with her song mississippi god Damn. next up we'll hear excerpts of an interview thistle did with award-winning poet and activist dominique christina thistle talked with miss christina about the say her name movement in addition to the feminist movement and what her involvement has been to hear the whole interview visit wlrn's wordpress site and click on the interviews tab say her name i mean it's a social
5: movement right um Mm -hmm. what it was fundamentally trying to do was raise consciousness or certainly sort of try to emphasize greater awareness about um black women who had been victims of police violence extrajudicial killings in the united states in particular um this was largely coming out of the idea that um The Black Lives Matter movement was happening in reaction to Trayvon Martin dying, Eric Garner dying, John Crawford dying, um, Tamir Rice dying. It was legitimate outrage. But for some, the conversation was, we're having these discussions that emphasize violence against Black male bodies. And there's violence that happens against Black female bodies all the time. And those stories can't be absorbed or erased in this movement. So say her name, Sandra Mm -hmm. Bland, right? Um, A woman who was, it was a traffic stop and she did not walk out of that jail alive. Makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Um, That was, my understanding of the say her name movement was, it was about really that saying that we exist too, we have been and continue to be brutalized as well. And so having these racial justice campaigns like black lives matter and black girl magic and black girls matter and all of this stuff, all of these hashtags, right. That now declare that there's a new movement happening. Say her name, I think got coined in like 2015, um, in order to sort of make sure that conversations about violence against female bodies was happening and was, and was you know, and that it was deserving of a wider consideration than it had been given.
3: Um,
5: have I participated? I don't know that I participate in any movement, uh, which is to say that, um, you know, it's very tricky for me. You know, if I say, and, and what I'm going to say could offend some folks, um, if I, if I say black lives matter and they do, it calls up its oppositional argument. It, it calls the opposition into the room. Black lives matter. This The second that declaration happened, white nationalists had to create white lives matter or blue lives matter. They had to because the opposition was apparent, like the oppositional argument was apparent in that hashtag, Black Lives Matter. I'm not, there are certain movements I don't participate in 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 the sense that like, I'm not gonna march in the middle of the road and I'm not gonna carry a sign with those words on it because for me, I have to fight differently. One, I'm not gonna use the same technology that my grandparents were using. My grandfather was born in 1911. My grandmother was born in 1913. If I am fighting the same way that they fought, To me, that feels like a failure. I should be further along. My grandparents did that. They marched, they picketed, they protested, they boycotted. Those are not radical acts in 2019, 2020. They're not, not to me. They show up as inconveniences. Power has already built a response, has a built in response now to when we picket and protest and boycott. I'm not saying that those acts of resistance aren't useful. I'm saying they're not mine. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to give emphasis to any ideology that says I can be legitimately killed. So how I talk about women's rights has to be strategy. How I talk about black lives mattering has to be strategy. Cause if I'm not careful, I'm fueling the other argument, not with intent, but I'm doing it all the same because I'm, I'm, if I'm not careful, all I have is reactionary language as opposed to something unkillable. And I want us to be unkillable. So, you know, it's just different for me. Um, there are certain conversations I won't even engage in because to do so means that it's legitimate for that person to have their position or to ask that question. So if I'm affirming that Black Lives Matter, I'm also affirming the idea that, the quest- there should- that there's a question about it. I need to explain to someone who has a question about why or, or, or that Black Lives Matter. I need to now come up with language. I have to curate language for this person who is unconvinced that I should not be murdered. That is a waste of my time. It's a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my intellectual capital. I won't, I won't pay that. I will not pay that. That person is too small for me to speak to. If you have that question, you are too beneath me for me to pay attention to you. Mm-hmm. Certain movements with the best of all possible intentions, you fuel the opposition. Because they should never, their question about your existence and the validity of it should never have even gotten any emphasis. It should never have gotten any light. It didn't even deserve how much thought you put into it. That that's that's kind of where I am. Um, you know, I remember the sanitation workers in in the civil rights movement. There's this iconic photo of these black men. I was a little girl and I saw it and they, all it said was, I am a man. That's all it said. I am a man. All these sanitation workers holding that sign. (sighs) When I was in high school, I thought it powerful. By the time I was out of college, I thought it tragic. Because who, who the hell has
0: a question about that? Right. You know what I mean? Like it just. I do. And I think it's similar for the feminist movement Mm -hmm. because Duh! I'm
3: Mm -hmm. a woman, Mm -hmm. and women
0: exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So that, thank you. That that's really illuminating. So you know, we're talking about police and state violence against black people and black women in particular, with the say her name movement. But there's also male violence against women. Can you, you know, domestic violence? Can you talk about that and then the possibility of that being something that white women and black women have in common and is there a way for us to use that common ground to unite and, you know, get past our differences?
5: I don't know if it's enough. Um, that's my most truthful statement and I'll try to suss that out. Um, male violence against Female bodies is uh, I don't know how many civilizations got built without it, which is a devastating thing to say. Um, I say that to say it's 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 ancient. It's uh, it's tradition for for almost any society. It's tradition. And so you're trying to upend something that is baked into the DNA of of a place, of a culture, of a people. You're trying to interrupt that. How do you interrupt it? Um, You can train women to defend themselves. You can teach, (laughs) allow girls, women and girls to vote, allow them to learn how to read, Um, allow them to have jobs. Um, Do not obligate them to have children. Uh, You can do all these things. We've taken all of these steps to try to address the issue of male violence against female bodies and female psyches, too. Um, You can teach women how to be warriors you can teach them how to be spies you know you can you can engage in all of these different acts in an attempt to speak to this tradition it's a deadly tradition how do we know that because you can be a woman and give birth to sons who grow up to be brutalizers who grow up to be rapists and it's not what you taught him But what space the society allows, permissions him to be a monster if he elects to do so. So what do women of all nationalities, hues and cultures have in common? The negotiation of male violence. That is a fact. The divide happens, I think, I would posit that it happens particularly acutely for black women and white women or brown women and white women, that there's a divide. And that divide is your reality, a white woman's reality is that if she decides to say, um, screw men, I'm not, I, we don't need them. You know, we don't want them, you know, we're better than they are, you know, whatever. And she can do that and be in the preservation of her identity and nothing about her identity is particularly interrupted. As a black woman, if I decide to disavow myself from black men, I'm doing so while also operating under the acknowledgement that they were in that slave ship, their backs were branded, that they're not the beneficiaries of privilege, that they have been groomed in a culture that has been brutal, that has really normalized and naturalized violence. They've experienced it. They have not been permitted to be good fathers. They have not been permitted to be good husbands. And so I think the cultural reality complicates the gender discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, Does that make sense? Because I'm, I can't. I am operating, I am operating all the time, always and in all ways in the acknowledgement of what was asked of my ancestors, what was insisted upon. I don't know how any of us made it out. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know how anyone, I don't know how any of us are here. I don't know how. I don't know how they did that. I don't know. But what I know for sure is that that same person who in the belly of that ship in the dark broken and bleeding and diseased and demeaned and humiliated that person survived the unsurvivable found themselves on a plantation do I think that that person was the most humane person the most morally intact person a person that had emotional literacy emotional integrity a person who knew how to love their kids hell no where did they get it from How would they be able to show up like that? What they did was they survived. But I'm certain that they were also devastating in the performance of their survival. I'm sure they beat their kids. I know they did. There's a legacy of that in slavery. You needed to. You could not have your children laughing too loudly. So you beat them so that they would be quiet. It's a tradition that hangs on, you know, like really. And I'm thinking of all of that all the time. My blackness is not muted by my womanness. They're both loud. My womanness isn't muted by my blackness. Both of those identities are big and complicated. And they stand up right next to each other. Both of them are in the room at the same height at the same time. I am often asked to mute my Blackness in emphasis of my feminism. I will never do it. I will never, ever, ever, ever do it. Because I would not, that's again, that's not what sisterhood looks like for me.
0: And who asks you to do that?
5: Uh, There are so many white feminists who I receive messages from uh, who struggle with, certain aspects of my politics or certain things that I grieve about honestly like i i am constantly asked to pick a side it's maybe that surprises you but it's a constant thing for me and and part of that happens because i think for some white feminists they they find resonance in certain things that i've written but from that place, they think they know everything that there is to know about me. And that's reductive and offensive, but it happens all the time. And so it's a thing that I negotiate constantly, you know? I'm gonna be in support of women because why would I not be? Because I recognize the urgency because I was a little girl who could have died and she didn't die, but I certainly could have died in days where I tried to make that happen. And it wasn't race in those moments. The, the, the scariest parts of my childhood w- weren't happening because I was black. They were happening because I was female. That's a fact, you know? I was never harmed mm-hmm. as a little girl because I was black. I was harmed perpetually because I was female. So how could I not, right? Like, be in the full out loud, you know, um, support of advocacy for um, women and girls. I'm trying to be what I needed, you know? I'm I'm trying to be what I needed. I'm trying to be the tourniquet. I'm trying to be the life preserver. I'm trying to be the wolf because sometimes we don't need a goddamn life preserver. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't need a tourniquet. Sometimes we need a wolf. Somebody to come up in there and and set the room right again. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need somebody who is who's not afraid of the biggest dude in the room. I'm her. I ain't afraid of shit. But that but but I am I am constantly navigating. All of my identities and insisting that they all get the same consideration, um, the same attention, or at the very least that no one asks me to shapeshift shape because there's this one part of me that they understand, but the other part is inexplicable or unfamiliar to them, you know, or uninteresting to them. And so they would rather me kind of keep that part quiet. I'm never going to ask anyone else to do that. So I won't give anyone that of me, you know, it's complicated. It's it's truly complicated. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think about, when I think about the divide sometimes between black women and white women, I think about in this country, we have to start with the fact that black bodies were trafficked in and then Brought to homes where white women lived, and those white women were told that those black bodies were three fifths human, that they were cattle, they were chattel. This is chattel slavery we're talking about. Those are objects. They're not people. And she, she goes, Okay, you know, <laughs> all right. But she doesn't have power. Her husband has not given her power. She doesn't have power. So he traffics these black bodies onto this plantation. It's her home. They're cooking her food. They're nursing her babies. But then stuff starts changing. Because now there's a whole bunch of beige babies being born. How'd they get there?
0: That concludes my WLRN interview with award-winning poet and writer Dominique Christina. Thanks for tuning in. As an afterword, I'd like to let our listeners know of an opportunity to bridge the divide Ms. Christina was speaking of by extending a warm invitation to women of color and women of diverse backgrounds to join us in Michigan this summer for the Dragon Ride. That's spelled D-R-A-G-Y-N, Dragon Ride. I remember the first time I went to MischFest in 1998 and how remarkable it felt to be part of an intentional community a village of women with neighborhoods and cultures that lived in relative harmony with one another, while also acknowledging the divide and providing separate safe spaces for women with differing needs and backgrounds. Of note to me, a white woman was the presence of so many women of color, both on stage and in the village as a whole. The visionaries of the Dragon Ride hold the vision of MishFest in our hearts as we invite women to join us July 26th through July 31st in riding our bikes 142 miles in intentional community from Nedra Johnson's Big Mouth Girl Gathering on the Land Festival near Hart, Michigan to the Michigan Family Reunion near Wayland. More information about this historic bike ride can be found at www.dragonride.org. The password to get into the site is Ferns2Pines. That's the number two. Ferns, F E R N S, two pines. P I N E S.
4: We become poets in an attempt to tether words to righteousness, our notebooks to social consciousness. Sitting cross-legged and anxious in wing-backed chairs, we sip lattes to news of regimes, firing American artillery into crowds of folk, their bodies pickled by the sun. They line streets in countries we never think about and we suck our teeth and ask a thesaurus to become a machete. And as romantic as pacifism is, these days I dream of dictators falling headfirst into karma and forget to be afraid if I could write this shit in fire, I would write this shit in fire. This ain't poetry, it's rage unmuted. A verb, a means, an end. This is my body. This is a sacrifice. This is an offering. This is Sankofa and Amanla. Southside Chicago and Compton, California. Red Hook projects in Jersey. Roosevelt projects in Brooklyn. This is severed hands. Clubs against flesh. Black boots to pregnant bellies. This is sterilizations, inoculations, leg irons and chains. The bit, the noose, this is a war cry, tell massa I'm coming back, carrying fire in my knapsack, tell him I'm Patrice Lumumba, Stephen Biko, Fred Hampton, Fannie Lou Hamer. Tell him they have been born again in me. Tell him I found my mother tongue buried under the rubble of the World Trade Center. Tell him this shit ain't no poem. This is me running naked from sugarcane and cotton fields, having dropped my crocus sack. Tell him he can call me karma. I'm refleshing the bones a witch, a root worker, a sorceress, a priestess, a gangster. Tell him this is the result of segregation. Tell him this is the result of integration tell him I have never been invisible tell him he has never been invincible tell him I'm gonna melt the barbed wire and steel bars of prison yards they gonna flow over him like lava I am returned I am bloodthirsty I am fangs and hooks and swollen feet in welfare lines the gauntlet thrown down lines drawn in the sand I am apocryphal historical deletions gathering themselves up and into textbooks. I am the niece of exploitation on a rice and pancake box. Come to collect the royalties for Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben. I am a line of smoke, a rain dance, the tomahawk used to kill the first invader. The streets of Benghazi pocked in prayer beads and shell casings. The juxtaposition of faith and savagery. Tell him I'm African wide hips and American bulimia. Peace symbols are fixed onto assault rifles. It is the deepest kind of contradiction. If I could write this shit in fire, I would write this shit in fire. Tell Massa I'm coming back. Howl in the wind, I'm coming back. Burr in your heel, I'm coming back. I'm coming back, Massa. I'm coming back, Massa. I'm coming back. Yeah.
0: That was Karma by Dominique Christina.
4: This. 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 This is WLRN. 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 Women's Liberation Radio. Women's
0: Liberation Radio. Women's Liberation Radio. Women's Liberation Radio News.
1: if not the reality, of male violence. But for black women and girls in the United States and so many other countries, personalized violence at the hands of boyfriends, husbands, exes, male relatives, and male strangers hunting for sex isn't the only kind to worry about. Black women and girls are also the targets of male institutions. The cops, the government, the public school system, the military, and the medical system. At the intersection of their sex and their race lies a particular vulnerability to the powerful white men who control society at large. White men with power, and most of the people with power in the U.S. are white men, rape, brutalize, and kill black women and girls with legal impunity. Male violence is used to enforce white supremacy on a systemic scale, just as male violence has been used to enforce male supremacy in every society on earth for thousands of years. To understand and address the black female condition in America and much of the world, we have to acknowledge that male violence is different and greater for them than it is for white women. And if we as radical and lesbian feminists are serious about calling out male violence in our patriarchal societies, we must protest the white supremacist social hierarchy, because this hierarchy is the motive for much of the male violence black women and girls experience throughout their lives. There has never been a time in the United States where black female existence has been free of violence. I'm sure the same can be said of all other white majority nations and the other countries included in the African diaspora. Racism is an inherently violent prejudice. Slavery and colonialism are inherently violent, and it was these violent practices that brought the first black women and girls to the United States, Western Europe, the Caribbean, Central and South America, etc., Even on the African continent, black women and girls have suffered white male violence in their own homelands for centuries. In the United States, slavery became the Jim Crow era of racial segregation, which then became the post-integration era of continued police brutality and unfair imprisonment of black Americans we're living in today. Throughout the United States' entire history, the white government and white institutions have violently persecuted black women and girls, echoing the more personal white violence performed by white civilians on a larger scale. So much of the black woman's suffering is couched in this state violence that if feminists only took issue with the male violence of heterosexual relationships and families, we would be missing half the picture of black female oppression. If the black woman and the black girl could be safe from male violence in their own homes, in their families, in their heterosexual relations and communities, it still wouldn't be enough they would continue to face danger in the streets. Rape and murder at the hands of cops who escape legal punishment, medical abuse and violence in hospitals and mental institutions, violence at the hands of pimps and johns in the prostitution and sex trafficking industries, male violence from authority figures in schools and prisons, etc. The white woman has always had compelling reasons to deny that the black woman experiences a unique kind of violence at the hands of white men. White male violence protects the system that benefits white women and girls on the racial axis of privilege. To be a true radical feminist as a white woman, you must become a race traitor, turning your back on and fighting the white men you are personally connected to and those in power who preserve your social and economic advantage over the black woman. White women who are truly radical feminists will vote against white supremacist politicians and policies that would benefit white women as white citizens, protect and defend black women and girls from persecution in schools, and the workplace, and the streets, and help put their own white sons, lovers, husbands, fathers, brothers, and male friends in prison if it means punishing a black woman or girl's rapist, attacker, or murderer. It is only because most white women have always been unwilling to show this kind of feminist loyalty to black women that state violence has continued without interruption against black women and girls. White women have been complicit in anti-black racism all along, and part of feminist consciousness raising is deprogramming our own racism in order to better love and support black women and all other non-white women. At the end of the day, state systems are made of individual people, predominantly white men. These white men have wives, mothers, daughters, girlfriends, and even white female colleagues who prop them up. Women can't change men, but we can reject them, resist them, act against them. If non-black women wanted to stop state violence against black women and girls, we could, just as we could end patriarchy if most of us chose separatism instead of cooperation with men. We underestimate the collective power women have to influence male behavior and male systems through simply refusing to reward and support men in our personal lives and also in our workplaces. The female sex makes up little more than half the population. If a majority of women in the U.S. united against racist state violence through live protests, economic boycotts, and abandoning racist white men in our social lives, we could affect real change. Taking this kind of action requires us to genuinely care about black women and girls the way we care about ourselves. The suffering and deaths of innocent black women and girls should enrage all women in society and incite our compassion and our desire to find a permanent solution. If we feel that compassion and rage as much as we would for ourselves, there will be no limit to how far we're willing to go in our campaign against racist state violence against black women and girls. Feminism is meant to liberate all females from all forms of male violence and oppression. We tend to focus predominantly on interpersonal violence between women and the men they know, because it accounts for the overwhelming majority of violence against women in our society. But we can't forget the women and girls who are victims of the male state, who are terrorized by police and the military and other government and public institutions. The male state is simply a reflection of what individual men believe and desire to do. State violence is racist because individual men are racist, and as long as racist men hold power at the state level, black women and girls will continue to be unjustly targeted and brutalized, along with black men and boys. While we as feminists may not be able to transform racist males into anti-racists, we can ourselves live anti-racist lives and do our best to support and protect black women and girls in every context. We can put the safety and well-being of these women and girls over any beneficial relationship we may have with a man who is a part of the problem.
0: Thanks for listening to WLRN's 47th edition podcast on state violence against black women. I'm April No. WLRN would like to thank our guest this month for sharing her views on the Say Her Name movement. Thank you so much, Dominique Christina, for granting WLRN an interview. To listen to the entire interview Thistle did with Miss Christina, visit our WordPress site and click on the interviews tab. If you like what you're hearing and would like to donate to the cause of Feminist Community Radio, please visit our WordPress site and click on the donate button. Check out our merch tab to get a nice gift in exchange for your donation. In addition, if you're interested in joining our team, we're always looking for new volunteers to conduct interviews, write blog posts, post to our Facebook and other social media pages, and do other tasks to keep us moving forward as a collective of media activist women. In particular, we would love to have a graphic design artist join our team to create engaging memes, covers for our interviews and news programs, and more. Thanks for listening. This is Thistle Pedersen signing off for now.
1: And I'm Sekhmet she Thanks for tuning in. Next month is our four-year anniversary edition. We will be speaking with British feminists about their political situation in the UK – reflect on International Women's Day, and cover an event that is set to happen at Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park in London. Our handcrafted podcasts always come out the first Thursday of the month, so look for Edition 48 on Thursday, April 2nd. If you'd like to receive our newsletter that notifies you when each podcast, music show, and interview are released, please sign up for our newsletter on the WLRN WordPress site. Stay strong in the struggle, and thanks for listening. This is
2: Dana Vitaloshova signing off on another edition of WLRN's Monthly Handcrafted Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, and SoundCloud in addition to our WordPress site. Thanks for listening. And this is Jenna DeCuardo.
1: Our monthly podcasts are always crafted with tender, loving care and in solidarity with women worldwide. Thanks for your support. We would love to hear from you, so please comment, like, and share widely.
0: But how will we find a way out of this? What is the antidote for the patriarchal kiss? How will we find what needs to be shown? And then after that, where is home town? And there